Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. I'm Noelle. I'm Corey. I'm back, baby. Get on my level. Just kidding. I don't know what level I would be on. I'm, like, on level zero. I just sat through a baseball game. First as, like, an assistant coach on the varsity. It was probably 40 degrees at first pitch and dipped into the 30s. It's been 20s here all day, so I can't imagine. So cold. I had to thaw out. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm a bench coach, so, like, I'm not, like, in the field. I'm not moving around. I'm not doing much. I'm, like, marking, like, a first pitch. Like, what is it going to – all that stuff. Oh, lordy. I was I was done. I was done. You by guys the... have hand warmers? Uh, I could have brought some. I could have brought gloves. I, I mean, this is – I'm a rookie, so, like, I don't know what to bring. Um, and it was You've an... played baseball in the cold before. I've pl- okay. Playing is different than sitting and coaching, but I guess I, I guess I sat on the bench quite often as a yeah, player that's too. That's what I was so, gonna say. <laughs> um, I guess that's not much of an excuse, but uh, holy, you smokes. have been outside before. You grew up I, in Michigan. It's been a long time. I I had to ask how many. So th- <laughs> this is the funny thing. I had to ask how many innings uh, for high school because I've, I've been so far removed from high school and thank the Lord. They only play seven innings, but I didn't get home till nine 30. <laughs> so I, I mean, I was gone for a long time today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I'm back Wait, high school. Only baseball only plays seven. Yeah. That's how far removed we've been. We just told, we just forgot. Cause I played seven when I was, when I played softball in high school and our guys played nine. Maybe they changed. Maybe it's in Indiana. Maybe Indiana's no, weird. Because I remember it... playing seven in Michigan too. That's weird. Anyways, I I don't know. I just remember that being a factor. And then during playoffs, they would play seven. They would play nine, and then they'd play seven. What? I don't know. It was wild. That is freaking crazy. But I guess it makes wild. sense that you can like like there are literally some teams that have like three starting pitchers. And it's like, okay, because you, you only need yeah. them to go for like four. And I, I mean, I went to a high school. I had 87 people in the high school total. I graduated with a class of 19. Ah, yes. Okay. So like, itty bitty. So maybe it was just our league. I don't know. My graduating class was like 500 something. I don't know. Yeah, that I cannot even imagine being on a campus with that many people. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, your private schooled my entire life. Your school is probably the same size as mine. We just had 500 more people in it. So... Or not? I, I doubt that. Our high school was two hallways. Uh, okay, fine. But it, it wasn't much bigger. I guess that's what I, my <laughs> point is what I'm trying right. to say. Fair. Um, uh, side note, uh, when I'm not on the podcast, I listen to the podcast. So shout out Chris, who is not listening to this episode because he's not on the <laughs> podcast tonight. And if he is, then maybe I'll get a text message from him. I don't know. Um, but I doubt it. What a great co-host. <laughs> Thank you very much. We love much. him. Thank you very much. Uh, th- that's not a dig, only kind of. <laughs> it's not a look, serious look, dig. Look, we didn't get to talk about this because it happened after last week's pod. But Chris, not the most consistent co-host, but he does do the most work. He does. He really does. He does. His return per 60 for the amount of work he does, astronomical. Um, He got... Darren McCarty to promote our podcast. (laughs) Who is he? Who I can you? I just. It's kind of funny because he's like, oh, I can't like like I can't record on Tuesday because like I got this thing I got to do. Yeah. 
and he goes to the Wings game, which like indirectly helps the podcast. And then he goes out and promotes the podcast, which he said he couldn't do because he was at the Red Wings game, <laughs> which is fine. Like it's 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 fine. Yeah, um, not mad at it. No, at all. who's mad at it? So, Darren McCarty, if you're listening, uh, please don't beat me up. But we also got a small blooper reel of Darren McCarty, which I thought was even better than the OG video. That's I was true. like, yeah, the, the video's great, but like Darren McCarty stumbled over his words, and I think that's hysterical. And then he asked for a redo. That is like, good. That is a memory that we're we're gonna have forever. <laughs> that is really good. Very very good. Yeah. He just ran into him in the hallway. Didn't, like, stand in line for anything. I mean, it's Darren McCarty, so he walks around LCA like a poltergeist all the time, so, like, I get it, but it's just Chris. That's just how Chris is. Uh, He's just... We love him. We, we Elbow is way to the top. We wouldn't be here without him, that's for sure. That's for sure. But where is here? We don't know. But... Where is here? And also, we are the ones still towing the line. Oh. Ooh! Shots! Shots! Um... We actually, I feel like, I feel like we do, but we don't, but we do. We always feel like we have a lot to talk about and then we just kind of go until we're, we, we re- at an hour. We, yeah, we reach, we reach a point where it's like, eh, I don't really have anything else productive to say. Um, but big news from the NFL front for the Detroit Lions. And it happened within like 30 minutes of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, uh, this is the. These are the only two good things that we, the Lions are going to get this year. So get them out in thirty minutes. And they don't even happen this year. So or right, they don't exactly. even you both happen this year. Yeah. Um, first announcement: uh, one of the NFL's most popular, I guess, uh, forms of entertainment or or content uh, is Hard Knocks, which is a view into NFL training camp. And the Detroit Lions are the feature team for HBO's Hard Knocks, um, which, to be completely honest, I've never really gotten into a whole lot. But, like, I've seen the episodes uh, from a plethora of teams. Like, when the Jets were good, I think that was the first time I actually watched it. And it's been going on for for a little bit uh, longer after that. Or not a little bit, a a lot of it. Um, But it is really cool because it's... Frankly, it is reality TV at its finest. Like it's unfiltered, unhinged, um, and you really do get to see what it's like to have or be in the inner workings of an NFL training camp, um, which is both wildly entertaining because you get all the personalities of professional athletes, but also into the piece that we talk about, I think very often here, is uh, you get to see a little bit of the humanity because they cut guys <laughs> on on hard knocks and they film it yeah. and, and they have the coach sitting there like, oh, you're a great player, like all this stuff. So you ever been cut from a sport in high school or whatever you've done? Like, It what, hurts. It hurts. <laughs> and, what... and then to have it televised right. on a national scale for people to watch. Yeah. Oof. But it happens in real time too. So like usually like if it like there's it's a it's a double-edged sword or i guess jekyll and hyde sort of a thing because like oh this player like oh he was really good we just didn't have a spot for him okay then then the next team's gonna call up and you know offer him a practice squad spot or something mm-hmm. along those lines i remember in that jet season that kind of thing happened guy was cut and then he was instantly signed up uh by another team in the later week um 
but it's really cool. I think this is the perfect time uh, for the Lions to get this because of how crazy or how quotable or how, um, at the very least, um, charismatic Dan Campbell is as a coach. We don't need to get into that because we we know. Um, that was uh, a bit in the article that ESPN put out about it, just like their little blurb saying this is happening, is that a major part of their allure of the Lions like pull is Dan Campbell. Sure. Like if 100%. they had done this if they'd done this during the Patricia year, A, nobody would have watched it because they would all boycott that. What? Keep keep going. I want I keep going because I have I have a point to this. Okay, but keep going. Uh, nobody I, like nobody would have watched it because they would have boycotted Patricia and also like there wasn't anything fun about that team. Like the nobody wanted to be there, so it's just like sadness all around. And mm-hmm. this time you feel like guys want to be there regardless of the wins and losses because of because of Campbell. Yeah. To your point. I'm going to slightly push back, not a hundred percent disagree, but I'm going to mm-hmm. push back because the NFL has been trying to get the lions to be on hard knocks since the show existed. Hmm. Like they've always been in consideration. They've always been one of these like final teams or, and it, it started off as like, I think the prerequisite of this show was that this team had to miss the playoffs the year before. Okay to like show desperation or whatever to make it more theatric to to make the producers happy right um so the lions don't make the playoffs any year so they would fall into that prereq um but they were never on the show because i think the owners didn't want to be on the show Mm. and i think it's because of how piss poor of an organization this team has been like you learn a lot about the inner workings of a of an NFL franchise when you're on the show and to have everybody then know what happens inside the walls of the Detroit Lions organization when this team is constantly at the bottom of of the of the whole league mm-hmm. people would have it would the Detroit narrative of like we suck nothing's going to happen and because we are a horrible organization, um, would then shift from a local thing to a national thing, and then everything would begin to unravel just a just a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit yeah. more. Um, but now you have probably the most, definitely the most charismatic coach that I think I've ever seen, and I don't think that's a hot take at all. And I try to keep my head on straight when it comes to talking about the Lions, but you have a head coach that has an enthusiasm unknown to mankind Mm -hmm. and you have a team that came off of a, a bad year, but like also a A weirdly hopeful year. uh, Yeah. Maybe not even hopeful, but just like, like tying the Pittsburgh stick. Cause looking back at it now in the moment that tie looked horrible. (laughs) It did. Yes. It. Yeah. It looked horrible. Um, but looking back at it now, they tied a playoff team mm-hmm. on the road mm-hmm. when they had an opportunity to win. And they're, they didn't win the game because they're a bad football team. Um, mm-hmm. But they, by golly, did they try to win <laughs> sort of a thing. 
Um, and they beat the Packers. They beat the they beat the literal best road team in the NFL this past season. At home, they beat they beat a ten win or eleven win or whatever. They beat a double digit win team, um, and it was like the first time in like a decade that they had done that or something like that. So like you have all of this mixed in with the charismatic coach and then some promising young guys, Swift, St. Brown, Hawkinson, but he didn't really play in the second half of the year. And then I think also in that article talked about uh, Jared Goff, quarterback for for the Lions, whose team, his former team, ends up winning a Super Bowl with the former Lions quarterback. So they want to like play into his psyche a little bit, see how he's going to mm-hmm. respond to that. The perfect storm, essentially, for the Lions yeah. to be uh, in hard knocks. And it couldn't have been any earlier because you would have seen how horrible of an organization this this team would have been if they were on hard knocks. And if it were in the Patricia era, oh my gosh. I think I would almost rather want to see that because I absolutely would want to see the train wreck that happened inside that organization. Like, players hated this guy. Fans hated this this regime. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to play here. Mm-hmm. And then you flip that script, and now it's like, oh, we signed, we signed DJ Chark. And he's from Jacksonville, so I mean, how? I mean, Jacksonville's um, culture is horrible, but he's like, I I fell in love with the culture of, of Detroit. You know, like it's Dan Campbell and the boys, and blah 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 blah, all this stuff. Um, so thumbs up. I think this is I think this is going to be really entertaining. And I, if you don't have HBO, maybe steal a login from somebody who does. Tune in um, because a you know what the the result of the Lions what it's going to be. It's going to be a loss or you know miss playoffs or whatever it's going whatever else. But the things that we enjoyed about last season was the sound bites from Dan Campbell, the surprise victories, um, the breakout. Uh, performances by rookie or young players that those were the things we enjoyed and now we get I get I guess the snippets of the best parts of last season um, into a behind the scenes and more frontal version this year because mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think the culture is gonna like go through the pooper if anything it's gonna get better um, because this will be Campbell's second year. He'll be more comfortable, has his guys. Um, and yeah, those are that that's really my only other thoughts about that. I guess we I guess we'll have a our our Lions segment in the off season will be more so based off of that. Um, <laughs> your weekly episode recap. I, I mean honestly, that's kind of what we would probably do. Um, and it might be entertaining for us as well. Talk about ah, mm-hmm. oh, what did what did Jamal Williams do this week? What anime did he reference or something? I don't, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be yeah. Good. I would agree. I think it'll be fun. Um, I've never watched it before, but on a scale of like one to Housewives of Beverly Hills, where does this land in terms of like drama and chaos? Honestly, I think it, it's kind of boring. If I'm going to be okay. completely honest, all right. Um, you have to be like a football fan to want to yeah. watch this show and think. Or fortunately for the NFL's sake, everybody's a football junkie, um, and like it's just like the inner workings of training. And I think the reason that why they picked the Lions is because Campbell's such a nut job. 
mm-hmm. and they're like, if we put a camera on this guy, we're gonna, we're just gonna get something like crazy. You're gonna get gold, yeah. I mean, we were seeing stuff in training camp last year. He's doing drills and no pads <laughs> and stuff. And like, as a player, why wouldn't you love that? Like, that's yeah. that's yeah. crazy, you know. Yeah. And as fans, that's gonna be so much mo- so much more fun to watch than having. Uh, you know, I, I personally like Frank Reich, who's the coach, coach of the Colts. And they did like a, like a mid season hard knocks, which wildly interesting. I think I didn't watch it, but like the concept and I've seen clips, um, I think it could work. Mm-hmm. Um, but Frank Reich is an old dude. He's a very good football coach, but he's not gonna do drills in no pads and like, I don't think that many people will, but also most people aren't built like they are wearing pads when they're not. Dan Campbell is is a tank of a human being. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That helps. <laughs> yes, it does. I just want some like meme worthy like oh. liners, like the Michael Jordan, and I took a, and I took that personally. Like you I want some of those to come out of this. That's that's my only hope. You will get really. that a hundred percent. Um, but that's number one. 30 minutes later, it was announced that in 2024, Detroit would be hosting the NFL draft and it's going to be on the riverfront. Um, yeah, the article that announced it said, uh, somewhere around Campus Martius and Hart Plaza. And I was like, those are close, but two different places. Mm -hmm. And also there's no buildings there. So doesn't need to be. Not for the draft. No. They used to, you usually need a crowd of people. You're right. Don't you have the guys in the sitting there walking up, grabbing their jerseys, that kind of stuff? Right, but you build a stage. Like you don't. You don't. It's there's not like a there's not a like a conference center that you ship out. Like like the the direction that the NFL has been going with these past like I remember Nashville. Like it was just in a street, and they built a stage in the middle of the street, and they built like where the players were going to run up to and and whatnot and they built like stadium seating or they just had people like 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 a standing room section where they just flooded the streets so like uh All right. i guess that works i mean if, have you been downtown for like opening day or or something like that no uh i don't have money well i also didn't grow up in a sports fam family fair. so or like any like any like big sports event no, nothing okay um shoot well this is this is horrible um <laughs> i'm unhelpful i'm sorry no you're I did fine go to, wait i went to opening i went to not opening what's the word i'm opening night at the red wings this week this this year perfect okay so you remember all the stuff that was around the stadium yes okay so like yes. the fun stuff like they had like the a street blocked off or they had that part of little caesar's arena with the big screen on it mm-hmm. right so like that's what the draft has become it's no longer in radio city music hall like it was all the time and they just had that stage that was already there like they're literally going into places building a stage you know making it um there's definitely room for that in heart plaza i guess oh 100 percent um and i think the riverfront too is just a beautiful um backdrop i would suppose and everybody who can't who's never seen canada can wave right and then you can have boats that are just coming in there like behind the stage and and whatever um but like that's all cool that's all fun um but what's more important is that detroit is getting exposure on the nfl stage and i'm not talking about like you know every cup like obviously the lions get the thanksgiving day game every year but that's kind of like 
that's like at this point we're kind of pushing it away no we're not but like that's like that's our thing and it's like oh we got to give the lions like this and so like 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 a primetime game is special so like monday night at the packers like that was kind of a big deal for the lions right mm-hmm. but the lions aren't good so they don't get a primetime game every year other yep. than the thanksgiving and thanksgiving doesn't count as primetime because it's 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 nationally televised but it's at 12:30 or 11:30 i guess excuse me um so to gain i guess and build a reputation you need some more of that exposure and to have your city on the forefront and the lines have never had that or i guess not never they had it with the super bowl but that's cuz they had a brand new shiny stadium and mm-hmm. you know they were going to host and what you do with that after is what's going to be um important but also it kind of indirectly in a way like like the NFL is acknowledging your existence again they wouldn't they wouldn't have the draft in Detroit if they weren't like oh like we see some things happening or like or if it was the same old lions if it was the same old lions that that would not be the case i don't think yeah. right um and all this like unspoken like like oh you get drafted by the lions like we know that that means a little bit less than getting drafted by the giants the jets the i don't want to say jacksonville because jacksonville is in its i don't really know how to quantify them yeah i don't it's because they're tech they're still like they're an expansion team but Mm -hmm. like they haven't had anything good happen for them and they always get shipped off to london but still like the nfl uses them like like hey this is an nfl franchise they're gonna play in london but and that's kind of more of a pawn off but still like every year jacksonville in london like there's got to be some some people in the uk that are like oh i'm a jaguars fan (laughs) because they've just seen them so many times um but like it we know that like it just sometimes it just doesn't feel like the lions are a legitimate nfl franchise we've talked about this all the Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. Um, but the fact that the nfl is putting one of their premier events in detroit should bring some awareness i guess or, or bring some val like valid I can't even pronounce the word validity validation. yes validation validity, validity um, to the franchise that's there um, and yeah. it this this would have not happened if the Lions were still in the Patricia regime it would not happen uh, may, I still personally am in the boat that Caldwell the Caldwell firing wasn't a good idea um, could have happened then definitely couldn't have happened in the Schwartz era um but hey the nfl is taking notice <laughs> they at least see that the lions are becoming marketable and it's like hey you're you're a legit like franchise like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put nfl headquarters for that weekend in april in your city how does that mm-hmm. feel and then the lions fans are just gonna be like oh frick this is this is sweet this is this this is literally the biggest event that's happened to the lions since the super bowl which was when which was 2005. Okay, yeah. 17 years ago. 17 years ago. Literally, it's going to... I, I think it, it's going to it's gonna have a bigger impact than most people think. Because mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, this is really cool. Like, Lions had a really good day today. No, the Lions had a great day today. And we won't know the impact of that until 
2024. Mm-hmm. We'll get half of it with Hard Knocks, and maybe maybe America falls in love with Dan Campbell instead of just the city of Detroit. Who knows? <laughs> and, like, even the... I mean, large sporting events, regardless of what they are and where they're held, always bring in a pe- crowd of people that will travel to them. Yeah. So it's... Even if... Um, Wow, my train of thought just completely exploded. You're good. Um, <laughs> even if this isn't, like, the end-all, be-all, or the biggest event that the Lions could have, it's still going to bring in people who have never been to Detroit to Detroit to see what it's been, what it's like, mm-hmm. uh, and how it's it's improved in the last 10 years, and uh, really, I'm just hoping that it'll cut down on all the, oh, I'm never going to Detroit, look at that crap hole or whatever or that cincinnati um at least we're not detroit video that's the, Cle- that that's the cleveland that's the cleveland video. oh yeah. whatever the other ohio sea city which i've been to cleveland it's not cool <laughs> i've been there so i can say it and i've been to detroit i think there's a lot of parts of detroit that are super cool lots of parts that need a little bit of work and lots of parts that people just don't know know about yeah because they've never been right never taken the time to explore yeah frankly i just think cleveland's boring maybe that's it there's like like where like the progressive field is like that's like the cool part Mm. i guess Mm -hmm. but like everything else is like eh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so but anyways it's exciting two new fun things duh fun things we like fun things and it gives us something to talk about in the off season so like it does lit a hundred percent we can maybe we'll maybe we'll be live from the nfl draft at that point all right it's a couple years down the road we're kicking the can but hey we could do it we could absolutely do it we could try chris would be crystal chris will get us an interview with dan campbell are you kidding chris will chris will probably get us backstage passes somehow yeah chris would show up 30 minutes late we would be scrambling like chickens with our heads cut off wondering where the heck he would he'd be like guys guess what i just got he has like three media passes for us (laughs) like we we're like taking pictures with roger goodell like that would be that would be a total chris move but it's not gonna happen because he doesn't listen to the podcast when he's not on can't blame him maybe that's maybe that's part of the magic (laughs) can't blame him ouch no i'm not gonna blame him because maybe that's part of why he is so good at the other stuff is that he doesn't have to focus on or he doesn't focus on this as intensely and so he's just like i'm gonna go do my own chris thing off in chris land Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know how this turned into the chris podcast but Uh, we just we just like to give him a hard time we do and we can because he doesn't listen so f f in the chat (laughs) maybe marielle will listen and tell him she will love you we'll kick her and we'll we'll get him to kick her and kick him in the pants perfect yes we love that um i have an interesting direction i want to go with basketball uh okay this week um, and I guess you can stop me and be like, Hey, Corey, this is dumb. Um, because you are technically the brains of this, of this podcast. Um, I will be your BS filter. Continue. Okay, cool. Um, so we're getting to the point of the Pistons season where, it, I mean, we sound like a broken record every time we come up here, you know, young guys are playing well, Pistons are still losing and le- legitimately it's like by like two points, like they lost the Knicks last night by mm-hmm. like two, 
Um, yeah, I don't know what the final score on that was. Knicks are Knicks. I think have won four straight games now. Um, but like, yeah, it, it like Bay is playing well. Cade Cunningham is playing at rookie of the year levels. Um, I know that a big big news today that broke is Jeremy Grant uh, injured his calf um, and mm-hmm. will be just shut down for the rest of. The- Honestly, it's probably not even an injury worth being shut down for the rest of the year, but like there's like 10 games left in the season, if that. Um, so that just, it sounds a lot worse than it actually is. <laughs> a a season-ending injury in uh, April for the NBA sounds a lot, <laughs> it sounds a lot different than a season-ending injury in October <laughs> for the NBA. Um, but I digress. Um, because... Uh, our newest member of the Pistons, Marvin Bagley Jr., um, had himself a night the other night. 27 points, 7 rebounds. I don't know how many assists he had. and um, But he, I mean, since he's got here, he's played well. And again, we've talked about a change of scenery, um, younger player, all of that stuff. Um, but the thing I wanted to talk about is... Again, and I think maybe I've mentioned this in the past before. Uh, specifically, we look at a guy like Sadiq Bay, right? He's 23 years old, second year pro, and we're like, oh, like he's he's gonna be, he's gonna be something really good here. Like we think we have a cornerstone piece to our franchise, and then we just traded for a center um, who has been filling in quite nicely, who is con- considered quote unquote a bust, mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley Jr. from the Kings. Marvin Bagley Jr. is either younger or the exact same age as Sadiq Bey. He's just been in the league for a little bit longer. We have two players that are separated by literal months that have two completely different narratives. Why is that? Well, it's Bagley was a lottery pick. Okay, that's fine. But Bay was also a first-round pick. You know, he was 18th. Bagley was top 10, and I get that. There's a difference there. I understand. But Sadiq Bey played in college for four years. Marvin Bagley did not. I think he was a one-and-done, most likely a one-and-done. I'd have to, I'd have to research that more. Um, but Bay took the time to develop in college, and Bagley had lottery pick status, and he left. And, I, and I'm not saying, like, oh, you should stay in school, but if you are – projected to go that high absolutely you should you should go get your money get your guaranteed money and go to the league as quickly as possible but what i don't understand is why are we throwing away the development of guys who come out as lottery picks and are the same age as guys who are saying oh they're going to have a great nba career and they're separated by months you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. Like, literally, the only difference between the two players is that Bagley has three years of NBA experience under his belt, full seasons, and Bay has one. Is it because Bay developed, air quotes, faster? It's not even that he did. He probably developed slower because he stayed so long in college. I don't think he stayed in college because he wanted to stay in college. It was probably because, or... I No, that's that's what I mean, is, like, because... When Bay actually made it to the made it to the show, made it to the NBA, he it only took a year or whatever and a change of scenery to get there. Whereas Bagley, it took the two and then a change of scenery, or the three and then a change of scenery. I think it's simply because Bay came in the league as an adult. 
and mm. Bagley came into the league as a literal teenager. Mm-hmm. And the even the state of college basketball, we've we've we're all basketball crazy via March Madness, um, and the Final Four and all of that stuff that's happening. Um, but we do realize that college basketball has a wide variety of ages, right? Yeah. So, for example, Iowa basketball. They won the Big Ten tournament. They got knocked out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Jordan Bohannon was a, due to COVID, he was a fifth-year senior, I believe. And he wasn't the only person in the Big Ten who was a fifth-year senior. Brad Davison was a fifth-year senior. These guys were born in, like, 97? These are 24-year-old men playing college basketball against 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Like, and don't get me full right to do that. And Michigan had a guy who was a fifth-year senior this year. So I'm, this is not what I'm. This is not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that these guys have played until they're adults in college. Okay, and they're playing mm-hmm. up against teenagers. And to look at their individual careers, Brad Davison was not the same player as a freshman, as he was as a senior or a, a super senior. Jordan Bohannon was not the same player as he was as a freshman or as a super senior. Eli Brooks was absolutely not the same player when he was a freshman as he was as a super senior. Eli Brooks was the most important player on Michigan's team this year, by far. He had career highs in, uh, in uh, points per game, assists, all of this stuff. Okay, these guys were able to develop at the college level and via the new landscape, the NIL, they can get money off of themselves now and they don't have to go into the league. I, I, I just, I, I guess maybe the question I'm trying to ask is if you are a guy who's a projected first round pick at um, like somewhere in the middle of the first round and you're 18, 19 years old, why on earth would you go if the money is a little bit comparable? So right. NIL is making like there's like guys in college football that are signing like seven figure deals in NIL. Like they're becoming millionaires. That's mostly in Alabama, but you you can make a pretty good penny off of yourself now, given some of these bigger schools or maybe even some of these smaller schools now. Like and and if you go to a smaller school, you probably weren't going to go to the league anyway. But with some of this NIL stuff, you can stay and develop and and become a better player. And then you get to go into the league and then maybe make a name for yourself. Why on earth would you put yourself at risk like a Marvin Bagley at nineteen twenty, when you could make your guaranteed $8 million, And then if you don't develop after two years in the league you're written off as a bust where if you have two, even three bad seasons in college and then your senior year, you just ball out and then you're a lottery pick. And then you go into the league as a grown man, because there is, there is a stark difference between an 18 year old in the NBA and a 23 year old in the NBA, regardless if I, if you're a rookie 18 year old and you're a rookie 23 year old, there's going to be a difference in how you play. You are a literal child playing the highest level of basketball in the world as compared to a developed adult playing the highest level of basketball in the world. So I, 
it just doesn't make sense to me how how we as fans or as basketball people or analysts that we can look at Sadiq Bey, who is barely older than Marvin Bagley, and say, oh, he's got a bright future, and then look at Bagley and say he's he doesn't have a bright future. <laughs> when Bay played four years in college and Bagley did not, and he came into the league as a child. Now, there's exceptions to the rules, obviously, but again, with the wild comparison game, Steph Curry was not Steph Curry <laughs> until four or five years in the league. It's because he developed as an adult <laughs> and mm-hmm. became Steph Curry. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we have Steph Curry's on the team. I'm just saying players need time to develop. And it doesn't make sense for me that we would throw away a lottery pick at 18 before he turns 23. And then we look at a one-year veteran, four years out of college, who's 23 now in his second year in the NBA and say, oh, he's going to be, he's going to be something really special. The math doesn't add up to me, I I think. But you get what I'm saying? Those are fair points. I do. Yeah, I think they're fair points. I think you're on on the right track. And I guess I I just don't know enough about div, uh like development in terms of like basketball. Um I'm just thinking like even like even like physically just the amount of growth like you were saying that a child has at 18 compared to that of of an adult at 23, 24. Just the amount of muscle mass that that men put on in that amount of time, like, I, I my brother is by no means a, a star athlete. He is a fit human being. Sure, uh, but I just I remember looking at pictures of him when he graduated high school, and then now, like compared to now, and just like <laughs> the stark difference in what he looks like, just his silhouette. A hundred percent. And like. And then you transport that onto a, a player in a professional field who is going up against guys who are 27, 28, who have been doing it for four, four or five years at 19, mm-hmm. it, that it's like, they're two different types of human yeah. at that point. Absolutely. Like, uh, e- even for myself as well, I look at pictures of my senior year of high school playing baseball. Like, I'm I'm wearing like a large shirt, but I'm not filling in my large shirt I get the same large shirt at Cornerstone. I get on a, I guess, consistent weightlifting program. And like, like, like I feel noticeably different. Like, Mm -hmm. like I, like I'm no longer the twig figure that I used to describe myself. Like I have some muscle that I had from just simply doing a program, um, being in uh, a routine, all of this stuff, but ultimately letting my body develop because I was still, I was still a kid for three years at college, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, it just, it makes me a little upset to like, like this guy's a bust. The kid is 22 years old. <laughs> like, like give, give him a break. Yeah. Like, yeah. can, can you imagine if we wrote off baseball players at 22? Mm-hmm. Most rookies don't get into league until they're 24, 25. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, that I guess it, it just, it can open up a whole other can of worms for us to discuss of, like, how healthy is it to have this pressure as that, as that age or, you know, sure. I know we love sports. I know we love watching it and i know that 
that's a dream for a lot of these guys is to get to where they're at, but at what cost also, you know? And we don't have to go into that. That's just where my brain goes is. Well, you can, if we ever do that discussion, I think we can do the, I think a pretty fair comparison of that is LeBron James and Zion Williamson. Mm. And we can talk Mm -hmm. because like, oh, like both were freak athletes. Both were, you know, bonafide number one. Like, oh, if you draft this guy, you're going to have a superstar in your hands. And both had that. LeBron, obviously one of the greatest, arguably the greatest player of all time. And then Zion, his body is beginning to fail on him. And that's Mm -hmm. what you see when people get to that college level and that like young 20s. Like, is your body going to hold up? And Zion is a long list of guys that like, had the talent but then like like body just caved yeah zion's career is not over by any means but i'm just saying like the beginning stages of that like he's closer to a plateau than lebron was at that age yes 100 percent. yeah yeah um but yeah that's i think that's all i have to say about basketball yep that's all i got that's all i got too not much there's seven seven or eight games left in the season so correct wrapping it up quick oh uh i do have something else to say about basketball two things um if you haven't watched march madness the ncaa tournament what's wrong with you first off oops uh, what's wrong with you noel (laughs) um because we just witnessed the greatest underdog story in college basketball history outside of umbc beating virginia in the first round the first 16 seed to ever beat a one seed in the NCAA tournament, a 15 seed ended up making it all the way to the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a small school in uh, New Jersey City, New Jersey, called the St. Peter's Peacocks, which is just an absolutely hilarious name. They had a so white... Were there, are their jerseys purple? Please tell me they're purple. They're blue. No. Maybe blue. Why? Um, That's not... Peacocks are not blue. They're uh, green and purple. Ask the Peacocks, which... Thank goodness we get, like, a different, like, mascot. Like, no more wildcats, no more, I don't know, freaking bears. Like, peacocks. This was the mascot oh, that yeah. we got Oh, yeah. And with. peacocks are terrifying. You ever met a peacock? You ever been walking around the Detroit Zoo and a peacock comes at you? It's scary. Eh, whatever. No, I haven't experienced that, but... It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> They're terrifying. Well, whoopsies. Um, peacocks. So much fun. They had probably the best hashtag of anybody. It was just hashtag strut up. That's what that's what their hashtag was, which is awesome. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I want that on a t-shirt. That would be so Amazing. cool. And like baseball did that a little bit. Uh, the Rays did raise up. So like they play on play on the yeah. words. Um, Tigers had a couple that were like um, good. I kind of like Detroit Roots hashtag Detroit Roots because it's like hey we root for Detroit and then also like our roots are in Detroit. Like the play on words like hashtag is cool but like strut up just sounds like it's like kind of got like that cocky like whatever like like way you, to like carry you're yourself. Peacocking. And you're, like peacocking. you're peacocking. Yes I, I was getting to that. Where um, are you? Yes I was. <laughs> um, and they literally shocked the world and they were one win away from the final four. Um but obviously we can't have nice things. And then we get a complete blue blood final four in a NCAA tournament. That was seemingly more wild than usual. But the guy I want to talk about is Shaheen Holloway, who is the head coach of the Peacocks. Um, and say what you want about his coaching style. 
they won games because of their suffocating defense and their belief in each other, the team. They ran 10 deep. They had they literally had a 10-man unit, 10-man rotation, which is <laughs> which is kind of crazy for yeah. a team in in the NCAA tournament. The best teams don't even have a 10-man rotation and St. Peter's was able to do that. And it's not like they were a 15 seed that was like had like four losses. They had 11 losses and they won their conference tournament and then they ended up going on this crazy run. Um, but a lot of credit to these smaller schools, go to these coaches and then the coaching carousel, they get hired by new places. And it looks like this guy is going to go to uh, Seton Hall where he used to play and was an all American um, before he, before he uh, went to school and played basketball there. Um, but America fell in love with the Peacocks, Shaheen Holloway um, because of, his coaching style, and then also, you know, the belief in his players and all of that, um, which leads me to our disgruntled and seemingly worst performing team now in the city of Detroit, which we thought we would never get to this point in the Detroit <sighs> Red Wings, um, which they have given up football or touchdown sized deficits. Mm -hmm. like four times this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think somebody sent a stat in our group chat that the, since Blashell's hiring, the Red Wings have the worst goal differential in the entire NHL. Yeah. It's, um, if you ever just want to be really depressed, follow Prashant Iyer after the Red Wings lose because he, the only thing he does is tweet bad stats. And it's not like he wants to tweet bad stats. Like, he says this. He's like, guys, I don't want to be tweeting this, but this is all I got. It's the, this is the only thing that there is, is just sadness. It's the only thing that's available. Right, exactly. And it's just, I can't... Oh, Yeah, so per request, the Red Wings cumulative goal differential versus the rest of the NHL... Since Jeff Blaschel took over in 2015, they started mid-range at year um, at year one, mm -hmm. and by game 500, actually no, by game 375, we were the lowest. Okay. And then. It it just continued by year f or by game five twenty five. It's there's a significant little. So I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I do I bring up the Peacocks Shaheen Holloway solely because of the impact of what a head coach can do for a team. Mm -hmm. And there was a report today that came out from Frank Sorelli that there is significant friction between the young players in the Red Wings locker room and Coach Blaschel. Um, of all the things we talk about on the Iser plan, of all the things that we talk about within the Red Wings organization, of the things that we like, the things that they're doing well, um, this has been the most perplexing thing. The fact that Jeff Blaschel still has a job, nobody in the hockey world understands. That doesn't no. put 
that doesn't put my faith in the Iser plan in jeopardy. Because I just feel like if he stays, he's gonna he, he's he has got to be a dead man walking. I don't think. I mean, all of these stats are just so damning. All of these reports are just like so telling with everything that's going on and everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. You would have to think that he is one foot out the door, and especially yeah. and especially with a team that like no information gets leaked. Now the fact that, oh, younger players aren't happy with the way, like, first, I would have to imagine Jeff Blaschel is pit or not Jeff Blaschel. I would have to imagine Steve Eisenman is pissed right now mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, information is getting out that I don't want. Um, but on the flip side, like, why is he here? <laughs> why is he still here? And now reports are getting like in, in, like we talked about last week as well in a sport that is the most impacted by a coaching change. Jeff Blaschel has been one of the longest tenured in Detroit. He is the longest and tenured. I think in the NHL. Yeah. But, and he, and he's, and he's been... the longest tenured in the NHL mm-hmm. that too. Um, I just, I... it doesn't, it does not add up. The only thing I can think of that for like the reason for him not being left in Pittsburgh is that there's only 16 games left. And at this point, what is the point, you know, of leaving him or, you know, firing him with 16 games left instead of doing it in the off season? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think so too, but we said this last year. We also we, <laughs> we also didn't have the roster that we had last year. Like this or we don't have the roster that we did last year, you know? Like we I mean we have two guys in the Calder race, one of them who is probably going to win it. We didn't have that last year. You know, should, it's should win it. Yes, should win it. And it's I think it's one of those things where this year was Blashell's prove it year because he had the roster or at least decent enough pieces to make a difference. It's been proved that he's a bad coach. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's been very much proved. So I hope that we're done with this experiment and uh i i think that just the frustrating thing is nobody knows why and like that's cool when it's like oh like nobody knows what steve eisman is going to do for the trade deadline and like that's fun but like mm-hmm. when something isn't going right like oh what is like what like ugh, I, I don't know and like i'm at the point too where like now i'm beginning to like look at the highlights for Red Wings games. I never used to be that way, ever. At all. Mm-hmm. No, I'm excited. I'm, I'll be I'll be home, or not home, but like I'll be back in Michigan um, in the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to go to a Red Wings game. Uh, but like first year here in Indy, like I was turning on the Red Wings games all the time. Now it's like, oh, the Red Wings are on. I guess I'll watch. Never thought 
I'd get to that point. And I, I was watching the wings when they were horrible and like wouldn't had no hope of the future, you know? Right. So I, it just, they're playing lifeless hockey. And it, when a team is playing lifeless hockey, you can dig into the players, but it seems like that's not the way to go. You need to dig into the coach and the coach has been the one who's been the disappointment here. Cause we've seen the players when they play inspired hockey and this year we've even seen it. They're not playing mm-hmm. inspired hockey. And the only reason why I would assume is the coach. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Fully agree. So I, and- I, at this point we know where Iserman stands. We I can't say, hold on. <laughs> I can't say we know anything about Iserman. What we can say is that sure. we know that at this point he, bla- he backs Blashell so I guess we're just going to have to wait until the off season to sure. see what happens. I guess that's where we'll leave it. I don't know what else to say, really. You know what adds insult to injury? I have a friend who's a Penguins fan, and she keeps posting replays of it. Oh. And I'm like, what are you? This is, you, you're, this is against me. This is a personal attack, and I know it is. Congratulations, you beat... A hapless, uninspired Detroit Red Wings team. <laughs> like, like, good for you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> it, it just, just bad. Just bad, bad, bad hockey. Bad. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say, oh, we've reached an all-time low. But, um, Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just dumb. I'm just get rid of the mm-hmm. guy. No one wants him here. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Stupid. It's not good. No. Um. Not good did you want to talk about spring training? Uh. Or yes. other tigers related things. Um. Yeah. I'll just give some thoughts. I've been able to watch some of the spring training games. Um. And. Uh. I guess I didn't get a chance to, you know, say my piece last week because mm-hmm. I wasn't on the podcast. But I don't think this is a hot take in the fact that uh, the the Tigers will be competing for a playoff spot this year, and I'm expecting I'm expecting a run deep into September um, where we will be close. I think I think we can anticipate that this isn't the claim of like, Oh, the Red Wings are going to make the playoffs. I'm done making those claims. I can't make those claims anymore. I don't know when it's going to happen. (laughs) Um, but this is the benchmark year and judging off of the success that they had last year with a less talented roster. I think people are expecting we're going to compete for the playoffs. And I think that's exactly what we're going to get. Um, but I will say our starting pitching, is will be the the difference maker it will be it we will go as far as it will carry us because on the surface our starting pitching is not deep we maybe will have four i'll say three and a half viable starters two of which haven't pitched in a full season Mm -hmm. at all um i think eduardo rodriguez will be good maybe dare i even say very good um well careful now those are some big adjectives 
those are those are big adjectives but i think he'll be very good um mm-hmm. we haven't had a we haven't had a good uh i don't want to say good left-handed starter because scooball is a lefty but um like a veteran lefty starter in in a little bit here um and i think uh he 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 will he's he's the opening day starter. He'll anchor that rotation. I think he'll be very good in what these young guys will need. Um, but we have three guys that will probably have some sort of innings limitation or pitch limitation in the rotation, and then you have Michael Pineda, who is an injury prone starter. Which, if he fits the mold of our signings of the past three or four seasons, he'll pitch nice for three or four starts, and then somehow come down with a season-ending injury and then not play baseball ever again. Because that's happened now three times. Mm. <laughs> and just, yeah, three times. Um, and uh, I think the offense could be really deep because it seems like the deeper we get into spring training, the more likely it is that Riley Green and Torkelson are going to make the opening day roster, which is really cool, really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that lineup. There's not a whole lot of holes. Now I'm not. I do like that. I I like that. I there's. I mean, I guess you could say Cabrera is a hole. I don't think so. I mean, you still have to respect Miguel Cabrera in some capacity. And there's. It's not like there's a lineup with no holes. Like the, like the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have. I think maybe some of the best offensive options, in baseball right now, and uh, there's no holes in that lineup. But for the Tigers, they have very good bats. Good to very good bats. And it seems like, how are you going to pitch to this team if you're an opposing pitcher? Mm-hmm. Because Condelario is a very underrated hitter. Uh, Scope was a huge part of our offense last year. Robbie Grossman gets on base constantly. Akil Badu might be one of the most electric young players in the league right now. And then you have complete wild cards, your top prospects in your lineup hitting seventh and eighth. Yeah. Do you remember the guys that were hitting seventh and eighth two years ago for the Detroit Tigers? Could not name one of them. Couldn't name you one of them. And these are guys that are highly touted, have had success in minor league levels, and were top three picks in the league. And they're hitting seventh and eighth. Not to mention you have catchers that aren't a black hole or an mm-hmm. an out nine times out of ten. Because I, I think we'll have three catchers, and I'm... I, I, We'll have three catchers, and at least two of them have a pretty good offensive track record. And Tucker Barnhart's a gold glove winning, one of the best pitch framers in baseball, working with a young staff. I think that's going to set them up for success. And the Tigers' bullpen has been beefed up. Might be their biggest strength on this team, which sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. Javier Baez is, a, we didn't even talk about him for the offense. Javier Baez will be an upgrade defensively at shortstop, even though he, Javier Baez will make mistakes that will be absolutely mind numbing, but he'll also make some incredible, incredible highlight, highlight real plays um, that will gush over constantly. Um, so, with all of those pieces there, with the confidence and not just a, 
like, oh, like, like, oh, the Red Wings, like, they have Dylan Larkin, they have this guy, and, like, they're just going to keep improving. No, like, looking at it, and I don't like to give Alavila and, uh, Alavila and Chris Illich much credit because I don't think they deserve it. And honestly, I think they could have done more this offseason. They just didn't. But looking at it from an actual factual standpoint, um, the Tigers are significantly better than they were last year. And in a division that the second place team is wide open and within an extra playoff spot in Major League Baseball, anything less than postseason contention for this team, and when I mean postseason contention, at the end of the year, are they within three games of the postseason? Uh, I think that's a failure. Hmm. And that'd be a disappointment. And I'm going to, I guess I'm going to double down on this. If they fail to reach that expectation, that solely falls on the shoulders of Alavila and Chris Illich because you said to the people, we signed Baez, we signed Eduardo Rodriguez, and we didn't go after the mega contract guys so that we could fill needs in other places. Um, that other place was a fifth starter. And you signed a fifth starter with a history of injuries and hasn't pitched in a full season in at least five years on a young staff. Mm-hmm. I don't like that as your final piece to wrap up your off season. I just, I just, that doesn't sit well with me, but I'm hopefully optimistic because this team is better and this team will be good and exciting mm-hmm. again. And that is what Detroit has been missing for a period of time an exciting team but also one that's competing for something because the pistons and red wings have been exciting in spurts or uh, young and talented in spurts but they haven't been able to put it all together i think the tigers might be that first team that puts it all together here's hoping and competes something well I'll be at opening day, so this will be the first time I've been at opening day in quite some time. I think since I was working with the Tigers, actually. Um, That's fun. So uh, I'm expecting uh, a very competitive, competitive season. And I like everything that A.J. Hinch says. Um, And they'll need to be competitive because Hinch only signed a three-year deal. And if you don't put your money where your mouth is after that third year, he's going to walk instantly because Mm -hmm. he'll be far removed from the Astros scandal and he'll get a roster that he can do something with. And he will instantly be a success after if he leaves Detroit, but I don't Mm -hmm. think we can let him do that. Mm -hmm. That would be an utter failure of letting him walk. I would honestly, (laughs) that might be enough to just say, deuces to the Tigers. (laughs) I'm I'm serious. That might be enough for me to say deuces to the Tigers, which probably not. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of of drama. That's a lot of game to talk, but I would, I mean, maybe I'd start treating the Tigers like, I'd probably start treating the Tigers like, uh, like the Lions. Like they're not going to do anything ever because Mm -hmm. reasons. I got nothing else. I got nothing else. I'm falling asleep over here. I've yawned seven times in the last two minutes. I gotta take a shower. I need a thaw. (laughs) Still cold? Still cold. 
Alrighty. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a good time. If we made you laugh, made you angry, made you feel anything at all, please rate us five stars. Uh, leave us a review. Follow us on our socials at the CNC Sport at CNC Sports Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, we are trying to be a little bit more active on those. Uh, so hopefully there will be content to actually pay attention to there. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Have a good rest of your week. We love you all. Bye. Go Tigers. Hey, everybody. This is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.